like, check, looking at our levels. Micah, when he sound checks, he goes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that's how you're supposed to do it. I like this noise. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Well, it's Monday. It is it indeed is. Monday. Happy Monday. Eric's at Comic-Con, so we're just three strong today. Mm-hmm. Chicago Comic-Con, though, I, I think we should specify. <laughs> he went back in time. Well, nonetheless, we shall uh, arrive, even if it's just three quarters of Absolutely. us today. And, you know, speaking of three, one, two, three. Three. It's very Trace. fitting for today's chapter. Yes. Yeah, there was some counting being done, supposedly mm-hmm. three times. <laughs> That's what I hear. Are we in the show yet? I think so. Yeah, I, I think, think this so. is happening right now. I can I can smell the listeners from here. They smell lovely like roses and lavender. <laughs> That's me, actually. <laughs> <laughs> did you just get your new slippers? <laughs> I did, yeah. <laughs> I was trying to make a joke about breakfast that you could smell it because Tyrion's eating breakfast with Pycelle in this chapter. But yeah, I don't no, have this one. this was better. <laughs> I do want to mention that Pycelle in this chapter at one point makes a crack at Tyrion and says, you know, some of us are trying to eat uh, much like the people of the city are. Just a you know, camaraderie, companionship with everybody, going through the same stuff. And Tyrion's like... I like to eat as much as I can if it's available because I, I don't know if it's going to be here <laughs> tomorrow. And that makes me hungry because I'm waiting for a meal I'm going to eat after we record. So this Tyrion is hard for me. Tyrion is so damn crafty, like in every sense of the word. Like it's just amazing. Especially these early chapters in the first couple of books. It's such a joy to read these chapters with him because he's so smart. That he can set up stuff like that. Like Martin is obviously smart, but Tyrion <laughs> is so <laughs> smart that he can start setting up things like this. And it's like a little mystery within each chapter. And he likes his eggs. I mean, I noticed that about him in this chapter too. Also a good point. So let's talk about this crafty little man. Do you want to talk about eggs some more? Now, were they hard boiled? Is that is that <laughs> what I was taking away from this? Imagine if you had a breakfast that was every kind of egg. Is it I not know, just right? weird though? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that. we need Eric to transition us. This is, is it terrible. not weird though Speaking that of. these two are having breakfast together? I mean, there's not a more <laughs> unlikely pair than these two to be sitting down and dining. It's very true. But, it, you know, Pycelle sort of has an interesting little uh, observation to make about this too. He's all like, oh, you know, I don't like being up in the morning or whatever he says. He's not a morning person. Is that what you're saying? It's, that's what I'm saying. Exactly. Okay. But he's, they're like trying their best to avoid sort of, you know, meeting at the usual time, I think, because they're more less likely to be overheard here is what we're, I think mm-hmm. we're supposed to get away from this. So Pycelle, he's very tentative about doing anything for Tyrion, it seems. And, you know, Tyrion has to kind of coax him a little bit, you know, to, to send out this letter to the Martells. Of all people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would think that Pycelle did a little bit of reading before he sent those letters off. Absolutely. And what a great plan it was. Because as I'm reading, I have no idea that mm-hmm. he's just trying to get him away from the table. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that sort of I actually found really, really interesting, despite the fact that, or beside the fact that this is just a brilliant chapter in general, is that as I'm reading Tyrion give these slightly different plans to slightly different people... I just I found myself the first time I read this going, wow, George R. R. Martin like can't even keep his facts straight within his own chapter. Oh, wow. Like I was totally getting fooled by everything, you know? But it's just it's everything is in the detail here. Specifically in the case when he was hunting through his ingredient list. And um yeah. I took I took notes in this chapter. Sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. Uh my note is awesome herb collection. So that's what I took away from it. I mean it's a place where you can get basilisk venom. Selena, you mentioned wolf spain earlier. Wolf spain is very good for when the starks begin turning into werewolves. 
Exactly. I mean, he's prepared for many, many things. And what Tyrion grabs from the shelf, we don't even get to know. That's the mystery in this chapter. Another <laughs> yes. level. It's just like he grabs a little thing and goes mm-hmm, and walks away. <laughs> I just I liked how Tyrion set this up where he said, I'm going to give you this letter and I want you yeah. to send it out. And I only want the response to come to me. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And you know, they go through that whole discussion about Cersei and how she's a woman and how that must mean that she's frail and with everything that's gone on recently. And I loved how Tyrion said, my sister's frail. Just ask Ned Stark how frail she is. Right. I love that too. And I think it's such a great way because I think sometimes George R. R. Martin uses that sort of that, that storytelling technique to show the characters that are so short-sighted and that are ultimately going to lose the game. It's things like, it's things like underestimating someone because they're a woman, for example, which Pycelle does is an incredibly stupid thing to do, which, you know, we get someone like Tyrion who sees that that everything, and maybe it's because he, you know, he comes from a perspective as well where he's he's had to face these sorts of, I don't know what I'm trying to say. You get what I'm saying, right? Yeah. <laughs> Became a very sort of, sort of fighting for the little people rant, no pun intended, but <laughs> it's, um, I, I think, I just think it's interesting to see how Martin uses that. I expected more out of Pycelle, though. I just, uh, I considered him kind of a smarter guy not to just play the female card, you know? Yeah. He was just like, oh, she's a girl too, so that might be also why you're stepping up to do your job. And I, I think of it from Tyrion's perspective, he's like, okay, I have this position, and I realize that I'm an imp, and I realize that I'm a dwarf, but I'm a smart dude, and my sister can work, and my brother can work, and I can work, and we can try to fix mm-hmm. all of this shit. And that's what he's yeah. trying to do. So this whole meeting where Pycelle's just, like, questioning him and saying, we should talk to the queen about all of these things because she's a sister and she actually knows shit. He's like, listen, I know stuff, too, and this is how we're going to do stuff now. So you're either with me or right. maybe you can take the black, too. Well, I think I see Pycelle, and I mean, obviously, I mean, readers can or listeners can disagree because I know there's a lot of different opinions about Pycelle out there, but I see him as this kind of character that, in theory, is really good at playing the game, but isn't at the same time, you know what I mean? Like, he he plays the game, in, and, and he hides himself, and he does the whole disguises thing, but he's just no, he's no Varys. He's not even a little finger, you know what I mean? Like, he's sort of, he's playing with players that are way, way better than himself, and we're definitely seeing that with this whole storyline with Tyrion. Whoever he's playing for, which I still think is a bit of a mystery. Yeah, I I think that ultimately he's playing for for Cersei, and do you think so? We've seen kind of glimpses of that over the course of the you know the first book and what we've read so far, and yeah. even in the TV show. But but I just think he yeah. But you know what? At the same time, I mean, watching in that deleted scene uh, that from se- that we got to see from season three between him and Tywin. Maybe you're right, Selena. Maybe it's mm. not entirely clear who he ultimately serves. I think there might be someone else or some some ones else, I should say. Dot dot. dot. Yeah, it, I, you're <laughs> right. It's 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 ambiguous, mm. and I think that's it's meant to be the case. I mean, I think mm-hmm. it's meant to be the case with all the people, um, you know, on that on that council. You're not entirely sure who they serve, if they serve anybody, right. or if they're on they're serving their own personal agenda at the end of the mm-hmm. day, which only seeks to benefit themselves. And you know, I think that's the case with Baelish and with Varys as well. Definitely. I have to commend you two for 
being able to speak so fluently about all these things, knowing the future and me being alone, <laughs> the only one who does it. So yeah, I commend both of thing. you. <laughs> if yes. you guys are listening and you're listeners, which I assume that you are, clap your hands together because this must be pretty hard to do. <laughs> well, I'm alone in the matter, but I think Pycelle is... I'm not sure if he was 100% serious about defaulting back like to the woman situation. Is he yeah. literally suggesting that that could be something or is he Or is he just adding... saying it because he thinks that maybe Tyrion will respond to that and take something away exactly. from it? Ah! Because it's a silly yes. thing. Like he walks slow and needs to get somewhere slowly. It's like, well, Pycelle, oh, well, of course your sister, blah, blah, blah. But really mm -hmm. he's thinking, oh, Tyrion's a sneaking bitch. He's trying to get all these yeah. things. Yeah, because I think ultimately he – you know, he's he's like a wormtail esque character. You know, he he seeks those who are in power, and you look at well, and I don't, hopefully I don't have to explain who Wormtail is um, <laughs> to, to to the audience. Uh, but just know sure. that you know, a character who really tries to align himself with those in power it doesn't matter who they are. Uh, and I think that he sees Cersei and he sees Joffrey as those that are in power right now. So as long as he serves them. You know, he's serving his own best interests. And I don't think he sees Tyrion, despite being the hand of the king, as being somebody who is, you know, that powerful yet. Mm. He's either a worm tail or a worm tongue. See, most Absolutely. of our listeners will understand at least one of those references. <laughs> but in interesting you mentioned that earlier, Zach, because when I was reading through this chapter, I thought a lot about the future and I thought a lot of sort of the implications and a lot of what's going on behind the scenes and what people's real intentions are. Uh, so, you know, having that kind of insight is is definitely interesting. Going back and seeing what what's been laid as sort of the groundwork. Yeah, I'm sure it's it's enriching what you guys know later on. You know, because well, this is just even the, what we already know in terms of of the book three and season three, I think we can sort of surmise a lot about these characters. This is when, see, this is when our podcast really gets tough. I mean, you guys, we have so many different versions of canon in our heads at any given time. We And obviously, as you guys do as well, because not only do we have to think about what happened in season three, we also have to think about what happened in book three, which is starting to get very different. Especially when it Very comes quickly. to to Baelish's side of the story, which is what we're getting to next in this chapter. Him talking about, you know, he wants to be the Lord of Harrenhal and talking about Elisa Aaron and everything like that. I think there's some really, really interesting things happening there. Yeah, this was uh, a lot on Baelish. Yeah. And he seems like such more of a badass now. You know what I mean? Versus the show, just the moves he's making right now with Tyrion. He does. Um, although at the same time, then you turn around and then you have him sort of visibly being sniveling about this Harrenhal situation. You know, you can almost you can almost imagine Baelish, you know, standing by the windowsill and like tapping his fingers together, going like, whoa, ho, ho, I will be the Lord of Harrenhal. But then at the same time, you have to then turn that around and go, but is he really just wanting Tyrion to see that, you know? It's like it's triple strange. deception, yeah. Little finger. Yes. I think he wants it. I, I think he when you learn a little bit mm -hmm. of his background, even in this chapter where he's come from, you know, his his lineage for him to acquire something along the lines of Harrenhal mm -hmm. would be would be pretty impressive and be quite an accomplishment actually. It's funny as readers like we tend to take the the other characters who are of higher nobility's view on Harrenhal as being like this shithole, but <laughs> yeah. in actuality, you know, when they were describing it in this chapter, it's it's actually a pretty big piece of land and 
meaningful to somebody like Baelish. Well, it goes back to what he's done with his very short job so far at King's Landing. He's been able to turn a lot of their imports and exports against each other. And what I mean is he's leveraging the two and creating a new product line, essentially. He's creating all of these new things to make money off of, and he's selling all of them. And so the crown is actually gaining money. They're, they're profiting off of a lot of things, but he hasn't been there long enough to really make up for everything, in addition to mm-hmm. also borrowing a shit ton of money from the Lannisters. So, like, on one hand, he's doing great things, and on the other hand, he's also pleasing a certain side. The Lannisters aren't the only ones that they're borrowing money from. And here's a piece from the book to give some perspective for the readers. It says, oh, he was clever. He did not simply collect the gold and lock it in a treasure vault. No, he paid the king's debt and promises and put the king's gold to work. He bought wagons, shops, ships, houses. <laughs> that was a good house. He bought grain when it was plentiful and sold bread when it was scarce. He bought wool from the north and linen from the south and lace from lease and stored it, moved it, dyed it, sold it. Basically, he's moving shit around. The golden dragon's bread and multiplied and Littlefinger lent them out and brought them home with hatchlings. He's a good businessman. I like that imagery. For Wall Street. So (laughs) he's hoping, oh, well, I can go to Harrenhal and the amount of self-sustaining, self-efficient resources that place has in addition to what I can export. He's like, I'm about to turn this into a business. You know what I mean? And I've made Mm -hmm. all of these friends on the way. So he's moving up hard and fast in the books. And I think it's less apparent in the show. Mm how much might he's working on, even though it's not brute force, but he's a smart guy, you know? He is smart. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I just liked how this scene opened with the dagger. It was one of those, he knows I know that I know that, you know, basically <laughs> that Baelish threw him under the bus. Right. And got him into that whole situation uh, where he he got to hang out with Mord. So, you know, mm-hmm. it worked out at the end of the day and he got Braun. Who doesn't yeah. want to hang uh, out know, with that guy? His, his bro. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Things worked out at the end. Uh, But I I liked how tactical Tyrion was uh, with Baelish as well. He said, well, I can also reveal to her Jon Arryn's true killer. And Mm -hmm. I'll resolve her mountain men issues. And, well, if she has a problem going against River Run, I'll just use the soldiers from the Vale against the Baratheons instead. You know, it shows how much thought that he's actually put into all I this. I mean, so much. Yeah, it's ridiculous. I mean, that's one of the things we talked on earlier. It's it's just yeah, it's really incredible. One of my favorite chapters. Like this is this kind of this is why we have a podcast named Game of Owns. It's because of chapters like mm-hmm. this. This was a great <laughs> chapter. Yes. So he's now teed up Pycelle and Baelish. Yes. <laughs> Baelish, Both who, with by the way, stories. By the way, who goes like, I have all the maidenhoods of the Tullys. <laughs> yeah. So funny. He's I such mean, a liar, too. I know. He's like, well, <laughs> even not like anyone's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, especially. No one's going to call my bluff here. So. Yep. Yeah. So he has the two of them. There's mm-hmm. one to go. Two, it says. And it's in his best italics. bud outside of Yes. Braun. I know. I feel so betrayed. On his behalf. And that one already knows about the other two, which I think is great. I mean, this is this is the hardest one to trick of all, because he is the tr- the trick person. I think it says a lot about Tyrion that he manages, because it doesn't seem that way in this chapter. It's not until later that we get how Tyrion has really used all three of them to weed out the one who's most likely to betray his trust. Right. And he already knows, just by then speaking to Varys, that... Pycelle has betrayed his trust. Yeah, well, yeah. Because he already let it slip. 
which mm-hmm. means he read the letter before he sent it out on the Raven. So again, we see Tyrion becoming very crafty in terms of how he's going to approach the situation. And he says that he's going to send Tommen to Dorne to be with yeah. the Martells. Which is obviously not what happens, right? as we know. So clearly the Martells are still a bit upset uh, about what happened to Elia during the sacking of King's Landing. And this was something that was emailed to us several months ago as like an overarching own. Someone was like, this is the own of everything. Just sit on this. And I was like, <laughs> damn, this is graphic. And then in, in surprise, you know, it came up in a chapter that we were doing for the show now. Tyrion offers to give the mountain over to the Martells, who is responsible for the death of Rhaegar and Elia's children, as well mm-hmm. as brutally raping her. Uh, before he killed her. Isn't there a very interesting quote from that passage? Yeah. <laughs> that you yes, there is. About? Bring up. No, no. <laughs> no, let's bring it up because it's there. I mean, it. Yeah. Based on the knowledge that we have, and I think it's been mentioned before, uh, in this series that Rhaegar and Elia had two children. However, when Varys makes his comment, he says that the Martells are upset about her death, as well as that of her babe. Mm-hmm. Singular. Yeah. But there's they... two children. I just I just thought that it was weird that Varys wouldn't rec- reference, sorry, more than one child if we're, it's yeah, especially... known that the mountain killed both of them. Absolutely. I mean, thinking of whose mouth this is coming out of, which is Varys, I think it's um it's a very interesting, it's just one of those tiny things that you just, you have to pay attention to what Varys says because we know how many things he's he's running around doing behind the scenes or whispering around in his little ship, slippers. Shippers. shippers. <laughs> That's mm-hmm. a whole different conversation. That's Footwear. next chapter. <laughs> Very expensive. <laughs> and Varys also cautions Tyrion about Cersei. Yeah. You know, he, he, he says, look, you know, this is quite the elaborate plan that you're constructing here, sending off Tommen to the Martells. Mm-hmm. You might want to be wary of your sister. Yeah, because she won't want to give up both her children. But I think... I personally think that it's never been Tyrion's plan to send away both Tommen and Marcella. I think that he, because he expects someone to to say something to her, you know? And then he just, he, he's kind of like, well, all of these plans that I have are kind of good. And he'll kind of let the people that he tells it to decide which of them actually come true. Tyrion is very calculating in this uh, in this chapter. He is. And you know what I like too? And I know that, I mean, to some extent, Tyrion's calculation is always going to be for his own well-being, but he does make some comments in this chapter that I really like, such as, you know, he says, well, if I send Tommen away now, you know, if I pry him away from Cersei and Joffrey while he's still this young, he might even grow to be a good man, mm-hmm. which is just fab- fantastic. And, cons- you know, Marcella and Tommen hardly get any, they don't get any screen time, they, they hardly get any time in the books either, but through these small, tiny bits, we, we get the sense that these two children are actually all right. Like they're not little Joffreys. They are good kids. Maybe that's because that's why George doesn't write about them because they're boring. Because <laughs> they're just sweet little kids. They're too nice. Um, yeah. yeah exactly. When I read that, I was like, you know, that's probably the best plan for him to be a good uncle, exactly. just to send these kids away because you've got black water impending, and exactly. it's just let's get it over with now. Let's get them away because he knew, you know, and and Tyrion, you know, he's one of the people that I mean, everybody, but he's one of the people that thinks. It, most about how horrible Joffrey is and he really is looking out for his family which is Tommen and Marcella 
I mean, he's like a double uncle to them. Double uncles are yeah. good. <laughs> Dumb, uncle squared. Oh, no, that's four. Dunkles. <laughs> Dunkles. Dunkle. I didn't pull a specific going out for this chapter, and I wasn't planning on this to be an own because it's a little um, metaphysical, as Eric would say. <laughs> it. Uh, I just think that, in general, this chapter has cemented what I've been feeling these past few Tyrion chapters because I mean we feel like we're we're a good section into the book and that's true but this is only Tyrion four this is only the fourth time we've been with Tyrion and I can just say that being seventeen chapters into this book and being four chapters into Tyrion I knew going into it that there's going to be a massive deviation from book to screen but this Tyrion is much stronger he's working harder and even his talk with with Bronn in this is just getting a full checklist read off to him and he's handling shit you know tell Baelish to go figure that dead out that'll be fine you know and he's, he's working hard and he did not want to be a figurehead in this position and I think that you know knowing what I know further from the show and how his dad kind of treats him with what he's done this entire time and with how he handled Blackwater that sucks because he is kicking ass so I can only imagine how shitty that letdown's going to be later on when Tywin I guess if it's like that in the book how Tywin treats him later that's going to be interesting because Tyrion mm-hmm. is is busting ass you know Absolutely Yeah absolutely that's a great own I've got an own, which is... uh, (laughs) Do you? My own is something that we haven't touched on at all, which is, you know... not a not strange because it was only mentioned in one tiny sentence which is that the entire threat of the wall everything that Jon Snow has been dealing with over the past you oh, know yes. book in 17 chapters at King's Landing this boils down to yes. some rotted hand in a jar I'm so glad you <laughs> and mentioned that the person this. who who came to the to the to King's Landing with it is thrown in a cell <laughs> by Tyrion I mean this is just so funny. It's one of the like the funniest things about the series is how, you know, you move between, you know, because we like Tyrion, but then he turns around and he totally disregards this huge threat which is happening in Jon's nose. It's not his fault, universe. okay? Because he okay. hates Alistair Thorne. It's true. It's very true. I'm not saying it. I'm just saying it's funny because we've spent so much time in Jon's head and that's all that consumes his mind, you know? It's just brilliant because Bronn's yeah. like, um, there's a guy here from the wall and he's like, oh, Oh, really? Is it Yorin? He's like, no, it's not Yorin, but it is Alistair Thorne. He's like, shit, just leave him. (laughs) What's he carrying? A hand? Fuck it. Just what's next? (laughs) Exactly, because Tyrion's got so much bigger problems in his mind, you know, (laughs) carrying out his little scheme. It's just so funny. That's good. I'm going to go the anti-Eric Skull route. No, I actually consider that for my own, too, where, where Tyrion basically says... Uh, Elijah Thorne, he can go fuck himself, basically, and yeah. let him rot for a little while. No, I, what I said earlier with uh, when the conversation was happening between Tyrion and Grandmeister Pycelle, and he says to him, if you, or he says not to him, but in his own mind, if you think my sister is frail, you know, basically just ask Ned Stark how frail she is. Um, yeah, right. that was that was really mine for the uh, for this chapter. Also, something about. Shaga would rather Shaga would actually eat the maid and then marry the goose. Oh that was yeah, a good no, one too. I was going to ask if we had that one as submitted as owns because otherwise we should definitely mention that. But I think someone tweeted that to us, didn't they? I think they did. We should look at that. We should transition right now. And we also got a couple owns here on Twitter. Nicely done, Mike. You can uh, okay. of course contribute to by heading on over to twitter.com slash game of owns. <laughs> Mariah Pollock. At Mariah Lovegood, by the way, so clearly a Luna fan, uh, sent this in. She says, the air for twitching its nose at Joffrey. <laughs> the air, Just kidding. The hair? 
The hair, yes. I think she yes. meant that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. If if it were me, I wouldn't mind eating castle hair. I hear castle hair is great. It is. Extra I know, pots you know, laying I around. The, I was thinking the exact same thing. It's such a tangent. But, you know, they're all complaining about how they may not have enough food. And you know what? Set two rabbits loose in the city and nobody kill them. And then you'll have 80 in a week. Right. That's exactly. True. It's because people, the rabbits manipulate. <sighs> The rabbits, they have sex like rabbits, and there's more rabbits. That's there right. you go. So and they're there. antagonistic, too, apparently, from uh, what they did to Joffrey. But she also goes on <laughs> to say, Tyrion has to get the own for his brilliant plotting in the Game of Thrones. Absolutely. Absolutely, yeah, definitely. And it's a damn shame we couldn't go more into it today, because, you know, we, we can't talk all day, but... The ins and outs of how they're handling their food situation to me is just, is just, I mean, it's typical. It's what, what's to be expected. But when you read it on the page, essentially to break it down quickly, most of the food coming into the city is going into the castle and from there being split around the government. You know, I just find that hilarious that the whole seat, the, there's so many people in the city, but you know, the 1% is taking from the 99. I just wanted to say that until we moved on to the next tweet. <laughs> People love that air. Everybody's giving it owns. We've got Borden, too, going the rabbit dodging Joff's bolt and then taunting him as he stood on his hind legs and twitched his nose at the king. Indeed. Do we have any houses that's a, that has a hair for a symbol that this may be foreshadowing? I'm thinking of, like, Brian Jacques' Red Wall series. There's some badass hairs from that story. I'm sure I'm sure he was foreshadowing that. They're, listen, they could be all of the armies. They're magical and they're great with swords. That's all I'm saying. The hair definitely wins this episode. And the thing, we didn't even mention him or her i know uh, earlier on so we just get caught up in baelish talk it overtakes you <laughs> yeah i know that's so annoying like when we should be talking about hairs what are we doing we got a, a tweet from gabriella marone uh not not necessarily an own but she says just to let you know i finished a dance with dragons love your podcast now that i finished i couldn't live without the show so uh Aww. both her and jason from uh one of our episodes last week have just wrapped up the uh, last book as of right now uh, that's been published, and uh, they're hopping on board. That's so. fantastic. Brit- Brittany cool Black also, that's cool. She's sitting in her room drinking wine and listening to Game of Owns. No, I that think sounds that's cool. Like a we good should time. all do that. I know. That could have potentially dangerous consequences. I remember that one Game of Owns when I was drinking wine while recording, that was like the best Game of Owns ever. I know that you had um, another own here that you wanted to share with us uh, before we uh, wrap up the show. Okay. It's from what our good it? friend Shaga, or it refers to him. All right. All right. Oh, here we go. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> She's preparing. Can we count? Can we get a count? Okay. Okay. Go, go for it. Go on count for Count me it. down. Three, two, one. Three, two, own. <laughs> Shaggis more like to eat the maid and marry the goose. (laughs) (laughs) That's some good sellsword humor humor for you right there. Yeah. It's a great one. Momentary own for Braun for cleaning up his act and just shining, going through his hair, washing his hair. Oh, I cut my hair after seven (laughs) months. Congratulations. Yeah. Yeah. It's all over the factory floor, right? It is. So uh, if you would like to uh, share with us your owns of this particular chapter, you can. Feel free to do so, just like all these other listeners did, by tweeting at us at Game of Owns. You can also drop us a line on our Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash Game of Owns, or you can email us at contact at Game of We have an email inbox that has labels and tabs and fables, and we would love for you to join that inbox. Just talk to us, because we read it on the show sometimes. I thought Fantastic. that was pretty good for Eric not being here. 
I, I think we did okay. <laughs> uh, and another way, though, that you can give us your feedback is heading on over to iTunes, where you can rate and review the show. Uh, nothing less than five stars is acceptable in the month of August. You should know this by now if you've uh, been listening to the show for the last couple of months. Uh, and we do have a couple of reviews here. Uh, I'll read a few of them. Uh, they are five stars, surprisingly. Uh, the first one comes from Veronica Parker, who says, Allegory of the Cave fails when it comes to this show. I love the books. I love the show. I love the podcast. There's great chemistry, pleasing voices, and hilarious analysis. Sit yourself down, pour yourself some whiskey as opposed oh, to wine, that's a step and up. binge listen to this, or else real weird things will happen with prosthetics and wildfire. I like your pronoun choice oh, yeah. there, Veronica Parker. Good own slash review. Thanks for the stars, by the way. Mm, yum. Mm, I would stars. like you all to go over to hypable.com, which is H Y P A B L E dot com. And not just because we have a snazzy, slightly new layout design, which is beautiful. Oh, do you really? But now, yeah, kind of. It's It changes a little bit every day, I think. So you should check back every day to see it change. But also because it is the off-season of Game of Thrones, so we all need some other stuff to watch and talk about. And also, I really want to write something about Game of Thrones. Is as soon as I work out what to write, there will be articles. And it's also a great place uh, for casting news in the off-season. I'm sure more of that will continue to be leaked out over the next couple Absolutely. I cannot wait to find out who Mark Gatiss is playing. But that is a discussion for continues. another time. Yes. It does so continue. I would like to leave you all with a review today. So maybe we should all say our names and see what happens. Ooh. After that. Okay. okay. Zach. Selena. Micah. And Eric. I'll say and I'm Eric Skull. <laughs> Eric, no, I I'm Eric Skull. I couldn't Eric. do without it. It hurt my soul. Zach, I know you've been waiting for this, but this is the first person I've actually seen mention this since our episodes from last oh, week. Oh, no. What is it? It's from Amy Christina with the title, I Do. And she says, if marriage between a woman and a podcast was legal, I would pop the question during Game of Owens down to the courthouse right this very minute. Oh my God. We will. We accept. Oh, God. Yes, Wait, you we know, all you accept. Can, you can have spear wives and fish wives. You can have podcast wives. Screw it. She's our first one. Yes. Are you guys ready for this? I mean, yeah. I, I don't know if it's I'm ready. Yet, we accept on behalf of Eric as well. He can't be here. Well, if those so. violins are anything to do with wedding music, then my name is Zach Louie. Not a red wedding. I'm Selena Wilkin. Or is and it? And I'm Mike Tannenbaum. Shut the doors! <laughs> I hope not. Oh, dear. We are in trouble.